Hello, my name is Casey Winters, and you're listening to Empathetic, the podcast where we pierce our perceptions of people that you may consider pathetic with the realities of their past. Today, we're going to walk a mile with a person that identifies as a lesbian. So, I've been told by multiple people at different times that I like to have deep conversations, which got me to thinking, why do I do that? Why do I have these deep conversations and why do I constantly avoid small talk? It is like nails on a chalkboard to me sometimes. And I realized I fear, shame. I know it sounds odd to make that connection, deep conversations and shame, but a friend recently told me the antidote to shame is vulnerability. And it blew my mind. I was like, that's why. This is why I do it. I do it because I think I am trying to avoid shame. And I I kind of like over vulnerable I don't know what the word is with that over vulnerable that's not a word but I'm gonna make it a word sure but what I do I thought I was like believing myself to be seeking truth and understanding my biases and just telling people about me and being vulnerable but I think what I've been doing this whole time is trying to avoid shame like if I just tell everybody about everything then therefore I don't have to feel shame about things like literally I tell my friends could probably attest to this. I often share too much sometimes. I'm just constantly trying to avoid shame. I've often said that if shame like was anything, it would be a bicycle that you're riding and the front pedals are a shovel that's just digging your hole and the back pedals are boots that are kicking you in the butt the whole time. And it's just to prevent you from going anywhere and it doesn't do anything and you just are painfully in this toxic cycle all the time. It's the should'ves, the would'ves. It's the reason that you don't tell anybody anything. It's like, that's too bad. I can't tell them that, right? It's too just horrific or terrible or too whatever. It is too shameful. Thankfully, you know me and my analogies. I've analogized this enough to where I think it's more digestible. What if we're all looking through these different colored lenses? And what if we look at those lenses as beautiful, maybe even necessary, maybe even intentionally placed? The tarnished, the broken, the discolored, multicolored lenses. What if that's what we were meant to see? What if by explaining our stories and empathizing with others, we're now letting others see our beautiful, broken view? A friend of mine told me an analogy once that everyone is looking at the same mural, just ginormous mural, but we're only three inches away from it. So we're all going, I see this part. And everybody else is like, I see this part. And we're all just trying to explain 
what part of the mirror we see. And I thought that's so amazing. That's such a crazy way to look at life. But what if by empathizing and acknowledging just the feelings and acknowledging the brokenness, including my shame, including all the feelings that I don't want to feel, what if by doing that, we're allowing others to see our part of the mural? What if we can use our shame to motivate us to describe our view? I honestly don't know if shame is a part of my next guest's journey, but regardless, I just hope we're able to see her part of the mural. Let's define a lesbian. In this episode, we're referring to a woman who is sexually or romantically attracted to other women. Now with every podcast of empathetic or starting with a breath. And wonder, how do I perceive lesbians? What crosses my mind when I hear someone being a lesbian? Or how, when, where, who did that message or lens come from? Listeners, I am so happy to introduce you to Morgan. Morgan, I'm glad you're here. First, let's talk about you now. Can you paint us a picture of you? So I own a pretty big company called Date Ideas and Things to Do alongside with my future wife, Donna Thomas. And um, we started the company maybe like two years ago. It completely blew up on social media. And we pretty much help a lot of people find out what they should do in their city. I mean, it's been a really cool ride leaving the healthcare industry for 10 years over to now running my own business. It's it's a it's a lot of lessons that I'm learning, you know, in a quick amount of time, short amount of time. Uh, <laughs> but I love the journey. It, we've been featured so many different places. And so I'm just super grateful for the opportunities we've been given. I so I'd like to tell listeners we're we're friends. And uh, I was shocked to find out the first time I met you that you actually are pretty anxious, like being in social situations. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so what about this was like intriguing to you? You know, um, so I started, I think it stems from me planning events um, or producing events. Sometimes I started in like 2013. Um, I was actually like married at the time and had just had my son. And I had, I'll be honest, I think I started creating events for a couple of reasons, but one of them was to just get out the house. And it was mainly because I wasn't happy at home. Um, you know, with the, the lifestyle that I am currently living, I am with a woman. And at that time I was trying to be with a man. Um, so I started creating events just to like escape reality. So I started producing things that I think I actually wanted to, to do or see. So I was doing like speed dating events, um, <laughs> and things like that. And that's how like my personal following really grew, um, on Facebook. So then like, Fast forward to two years ago, Donna and I would post a lot of pictures and, and videos of things that we would do as far as dates in the city. And I had someone ask me, like, can you like just create something where I can follow just where, what you all do? So it didn't start off with trying to be real, you know, popular or famous or anything like that. We thought a couple hundred people would follow us. And then next thing you know, the first week we had 5000 members in our group. And so now we've grown to over 650,000 in two years. So yeah, it's, and it's, it's, 
it's bittersweet. I'm grateful for it, but because I deal with anxiety and depression and things like that, there's some days where I, it, it's too much, honestly. Oh, it's a lot. And you, let's start out talking about your journey and like what's important for listeners to know, just, you know, give us the highlights or the, just like the deep nitty gritty of, of what made you, you and what led you here and what, just give us your journey. Yeah. So I have a very interesting journey, I think. Um, unlike a lot of like my family members or close friends, I kind of grew up a little, as some people would say, privileged. Mm-hmm. I went to private school, kindergarten to eighth grade. And my mom was like a traveling artist, it, like a actress, was our actress and music artist and things like that. So I grew up in this cool life where I'm like flying out at like six years old by myself to see my mom perform at the Fox theater and stuff like that. And I, my mom knew like early on, she used to say, uh, she recently told me, she's like, I thought you were like the best baby ever because you would never cry. It took her to like me being an adult to realize that it wasn't that I was the best baby, but even early on I had trouble expressing my emotions and expressing like how I felt. Um, She saw that as I got older and seeing how I would interact with other people and and my peers, I just have always struggled with that. And it took me a long time to even realize myself uh, what was going on. And I think that when people like realize and they accept what their, their flaws are, life gets so much easier so for that time period of like me not even understanding, I experienced with a lot of different things, like trying to find a certain feeling that I was missing when really like that feeling out the whole time was inside of me, but I was trying to find it in other people. So I became like the super like people pleaser or I was, I was dating any and everybody. Like <laughs> I was, as they would say, outside, I was outside <laughs> and <laughs> I, you know, it took me to go through a lot of different things to realize like, I gotta be, I gotta love me, you know, before anybody else can love me and like truly care about me and things like that. Like I had to do that for myself. And I think it took for me to get married to my son's father and to try to force myself to um, love and love a man in the way that I just naturally don't love Um, it took for me to go through that it took for me to like wake up every single day in that marriage in a space of like I don't want to keep doing this anymore like I'm tired there were times where I was suicidal and all sorts of things and I remember when I finally said hey I'm choosing me I called my mom to tell her and she's like before I can even finish the sentence that mom sorry but I'm she finished the sentence for me (laughs) And she's like, no. And she's like, I love you. And it was super cool because the first time I tried to come out in high school, she did not accept it whatsoever. So I think her seeing me try extremely hard to be what she wanted me to be. But the fact that I couldn't made her uh, change her mind completely on how she was showing up and loving me. It sounds like you were trying to be somebody else that everybody else wanted you to be. Yeah. And I feel like we all fall into that trap so often and yeah what was the word that you felt was like in that marriage or in that trap or in that kind of hole do you think I don't know I think like this isn't really answering the question but 
I would say like, can I tell you what made me realize? Absolutely. How deep it was, like how, how, how bad it was. I truly think that like the people around us, even if we're extremely confident and things like that, we want to be accepted, right? You want to be loved. No one wants to wake up and be the person that everyone is looking at and frowning at. And I think that so often we put each other in that situation and sometimes unknowingly. And I have like, I had to like teach myself like to watch the words that I say, or even little jokes that I might tease a friend about. I have to like be careful because you words really do hurt and people carry those words. And so I was carrying the words of other people um, and what they thought of me and what they said of me uh, about me. And I, I took those words and gave them more power than my own words. Mm. And so with me doing that, I found myself trying to on the outside, be a certain way, look a certain way, please everyone. But still on the inside, I was battling. And I remember it getting so deep that I kid you not, I was married to my husband and I literally snuck out to go to the club on a Thursday night. It was a hip hop night at one of the the lesbian clubs. And I literally took like his accessories, like one of his baseball caps, some of his jewelry and changed the rest of my clothes, like in the car. And like transformed into the person I wanted to be, that I really wanted to be. And it was like the moments in that those clubs, just for a couple of hours, the feeling that I had versus the feeling of like everyday life. So like every day, 24-7, I was going out and I was pretending to be someone. And then those couple of hours in the club would be the best feeling throughout the entire year because I was being me. And so when I got a taste of that feeling of what it's like to truly live in my, my truth, I'm like, I got to make a choice, either me or all of you. And I chose me. So. And it bid you well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think that I got, I want to say like, always refer back to when I told my mom, because I think that was the, the hardest thing. Is, is going to your mom and telling her like, hey, sorry, but this is what it is. I felt like I got wings. Like if I had to describe how I felt after she told me that it's okay, I felt like I got a pair of wings and I could fly. I've met your mom. She's pretty awesome. And she can do the splits. She can. She went viral uh, doing the splits in the middle <laughs> at the pride parade. I so like there. I mean, throughout the entire pride parade, and I'm sure people were like, what is why is this girl crying or whatever whatever. but it was because like no one really knows what my journey was you know no one really knows like the the nights and the the mornings I did not want to wake up um so for for me the parade I don't even like rainbow stuff I'm be honest with you (laughs) I'm not (laughs) into all of that so for me it was so much more it was like I was just I don't know I was accepted as a whole, it felt like everyone around me at that parade loved me for who I was. And that was a feeling that I hadn't felt none ever, I don't think. I've had so many conversations with people about that exact thing of when you, 
let's just like say the roles are reversed and you know men and how much they love vagina and for one day they can go out and they can scream about how much they actually really love vagina you know and it sounds so ridiculous to use that analogy but that's really what it is it's that is real it is the ability to be out and accepted and and okay for that moment and to it's it's okay i think it's a beautiful thing yeah yeah um you talked a little bit about this and you put it as you are living other people's words yeah and perceptions of you so what what were those words what were those perceptions that people put on you a sinner Hmm. that's a huge one because i love god like i am very close to god i'm not very religious um but i do have a, a really I feel like a beautiful relationship with God. I pray. I love worship music, all of those things. So to feel like someone's judging what they know nothing about as far as my, because your relationship with God is is personal. So I just feel like who you, no one has the right to tell me how God views me. And so like a sinner and, oh my gosh, my favorite one is, uh, they assume that because they assume that a lot of women that dress more masculine don't feel beautiful. Hmm. They like, especially in my culture, they, they, they love to say older, older people love to say, you're too pretty for that. You're, you're, you're too beautiful to do this. And and it's like, I know I'm beautiful. Like I'm, I'm the shit in my eyes. Like (laughs) it's like, I don't need that, that you to say that because that's not what I'm doing. And I'm not doing it because I I feel like I can't get a man. I've had plenty of men. So, Oh, or, or that you're, you have a lot of people that call it a mental illness and just a lot of, there's a lot of different things um, that people just judge because they know nothing about it. Yeah. To the point where I was trying, they, I I was believing the things they were saying going that I'm gonna go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. So yeah, I'm going to put this dress on and try to be with a man. That's literally because I, I, like I said, I came out in high school and I went back in the closet basically. Um, And it was because I was going, my grandmother had me at this church and they had me really feeling like I had to live a certain way or I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to do this or do that. I will tell you that the most, I, I, I sometimes I feel like hell is on earth sometimes. And I will tell you my, darkest moment mentally was trying to be someone I wasn't so how has this changed your lens towards others so now that you have this like in your your toolbox of like this is how I was this is what I can recognize in myself now what do you feel like that has changed how do you feel like that has changed your lens towards other people I want to say that I have always been a person that has a lot of empathy for people that's just always been a part of, I think, how I was raised. Now I have um, motivation to not just have empathy, but also to try to find a way to empathize with people that I may not know that I should at the time. So like, let's just say like someone's really mean to me. Typically, I just be like, they're mean, you know, but now I try to find a way to find out or figure out why they're mean. Maybe they've, there's some trauma behind them. They're, they've gone through something. And like, let me, instead of me just judging them from the surface, let me dig deeper because there's always something 
behind what we see. And I, and I know that personally, because there was always something behind what everyone saw of me. Yeah. I, so before you got on, we're going to talk, we talked a little bit about shame and I just want to kind of get your lens and your perspective about shame and shame, how it's been in your life and if it continues to be, or if you battled with it at all, or what was your journey with shame? Um, would you say shame? Like on myself, like feeling shameful. Um, early on I did early on. Like when I, when I first started to, when I first came out in high school, and while I was in college, I remember I had like, I thought I I was with the love of my life, beautiful girl, spent the entire time in college in her dorm room instead of in my books. But I would often break up with her because I felt shameful. Like I felt like this is not okay. This is, I shouldn't be doing this. Like I would talk myself out of it every probably month it got to the point where she's like, look, you're not going to keep doing this, you know, to me or whatever. But yeah, I haven't really dealt with that in a very long time. And I'm, I'm proud. I'm, that's a really good feeling. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, this is just a side note because I think it's such a beautiful romantic story, but would you like to tell the story of how you and Donna came to be? Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool to like, Nate, like to say that, say this part after I've named all of the problems because I truly feel like even with with how I said I thought someone was the love of my life but I kept finding a reason to break up with her and I feel like God almost had to send me someone that I could not deny that oh this is who I'm supposed to be with in order for me to like 100% be okay with what I'm doing God had to like almost play a trick on me and I and I think he has because I, um, Donna and I were born on the exact same day in the same hospital. Our, we went to the same high school, the same college. We have even found pictures of our moms in the exact same maternity outfit and also pictures of us at the same age in the exact same school uniform. So like from grade school, Donna went to public school. I went to private school, but she played sports for my private school. So we're in the same uniform playing sports. So yeah, there's, to me, it's like, what else can happen to, to make us realize that we are soulmates? What do you think is so intriguing and has like created a magnet to you guys? I think probably because we are what probably people would consider the underdogs. We're black, we're gay, and we're women. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) so to see a triple threat like that succeed and be successful is so I think motivating to so many people like us, rather you are a woman or you are black or you are gay or all three, you're motivated by seeing someone be able to succeed and grow the way that, that we are. And also the way that we love each other. Um, We're very open and honest. We, things are not perfect you know, between us. And we, we try to be as transparent as possible because we don't want to paint a picture. My biggest thing and why I love speaking about my problems more so than my successes is because I never want to paint a picture to other people that it's easy. I think that's a big, if, if social media has done anything to society, it has basically helped create lies and, um, perceptions that things are a lot better than what they really are we just no people just tend to show what's better and so I try to make sure that I show everything I just recently like there's a lot of people in the city that think I'm rich right 
I don't know why, but they they look at millions of views and followers and think, oh, now you're a millionaire. No, that's not the case. Just recently, I posted a picture of me on a scooter downtown going from the news station to a meeting because my car wasn't working. And I'm like, it's not going to stop me. I'm going to keep going to where I need to go. So I'm like carrying my briefcase and my bags headed to one of my big clients for a meeting. And, you know, I try to be as real as possible. So I think people like that. Oh, I definitely do. I just want to thank you so much. I always enjoy being in your company and your presence. And I just, I love what you're doing and uh, tell everybody where to go. So that way they can get to know you more. Yes. So follow me on Facebook, Morgan Casey and on Instagram, daters and doers. Awesome. Thanks so much, Morgan. No, thank you. I'm proud of you and uh, congratulations on everything. Thank you so much, listeners, for walking with me in Morgan's shoes today. I need your help. Tell me about shame and what role it's playing in your life. I want to know. Uh, you can post it on my Facebook page, facebook.com backslash empathetic podcast. Please subscribe makes my heart feel good leave me a comment just give me some feedback i'd love to hear from you i'm casey winters and this was empathetic we hope we were able to pierce your perceptions with some reality today thank you so much for listening